Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, joined by my longtime great friend, Heisman Trophy voter, by the way. We'll talk about that with Brent Beard a good bit today in the wake of Caleb Williams, the SC quarterback, securing the most prestigious individual honor in college football. Brent also, longtime college football analyst there at First Coast News in Jacksonville, Florida. Unfortunately, though, Brent, like everyone else in the college football world, shocked and saddened by the untimely passing of Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. You know, you think you're kind of becoming desensitized to a lot of things in this Mm -hmm. world. Uh, But I think this is another example of prime example of that not being the case. Yeah. Uh, And I'm, and frankly, Travis, I was quite grieved by this. Uh, uh, It's so difficult to, um, (laughs) to see his uh, passing uh, the first sitting SEC coach, uh, to uh, die since Bo Rain, gosh, back in 1980, and Bo Rain coming from NC State had not even coached the game yet. He he actually died in a plane on a recruiting trip. So Leach's death was really shocking in so many ways, and I, I think one of the greatest tributes Travis for him is, uh, I mean, as we talk about him, he deserves a lot of credit for what he what he did winning at least eight games in 13 or 21 seasons at um, uh, when he was at Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State. But the thing that makes him so endearing is uh, this this is a guy that uh, could basically talk to anyone virtually about anything, and Trav, most of it had nothing to do with football, did it? No, it mostly did not, and the irreverency of Mike Leach is what we're going to really miss the most, I think. And that, again, takes into consideration uh, his coaching tree when you look at it with Lincoln Riley, Dave Aranda, Sonny Cumbie, Dana Holgerson, uh, Josh Heupel here most recently. Uh, It's expansive, and I guess you could extend that even to um, Hal Mummy, who was sort of the guy who brought – leech along there with that air raid offense initially but uh just impactful there's no doubt about it i think the one football related stat that sticks with you or sticks with me anyway is 19 of his 21 seasons as a head coach he took his teams to bowl games and look he was never at alabama he was never at ohio state for sure and we're talking about places like texas tech washington state mississippi state where you're following in the the, the the footprint, or in most instances anyway, of situations where there wasn't a lot of success before mm-hmm. you. So to have that sort of consistent level of achievement, very, very impressive. I think you've seen some of his disciples branch out from that air raid system. Mm-hmm. You watch Josh Heupel in Tennessee, for instance, right now. Mike Leach, I think football-wise, there was this misconception that he was a big pace guy, big tempo guy, you know, do a lot of different things from uh, different formations. And maybe formationally there was, but 
you, you'd watch Mike Leach during a game. He'd have an index card over there yeah, calling plays. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he didn't have one of these waffle house menus over there, uh, <laughs> going through, you know, just a catalog of different plays for different situations. I think Mike Leach in a lot of ways, man, both as a coach and just as how he lived his life, it's a guy who kept it pretty simple. Although yeah. he could make you think that, that it was a lot more complex with him than that. The, uh, and, and basically ran, uh, what trap, maybe a handful of plays, but he just yeah. had a lot of different variations off of those plays, uh, that, that goes along with it. And, and look, there've been so many stories. Um, I, I heard one from the Nevada coach that when he was coaching with Leach at Washington state, they were on the way, uh, to the stadium to play Southern Cal. And he said to Leach, instead of uh, thumbing through plays uh, and almost in a panic stage, had his phone and was listening to Rosetta Stone learning how to speak Spanish on the way to the stadium travel against Southern Cal. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was uh, your people this week talk about it. And that was kind of his, his standard operating procedure mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. funny to hear some people saying he still didn't know spanish uh, even <laughs> after all those yeah. years but yeah. uh just a reverent um just uh a guy that as you said could probably have a conversation about just about any topic you wanted to delve into and a guy that again based on the accounts from those who were close to him very inquisitive you know mm-hmm. it sometimes felt like it was always that Leach was holding court a lot of times. Um, But again, based on the accounts that we've seen and heard this week, uh, Leach was more interested in your story than he was was. maybe telling a lot of his, although he, he was great at that as well. Well, there are a couple of things that come out of this uh, that are worthy of some quick discussion is the, um, I, I mean, basically People would call his SID wherever he was and ask permission to interview him, and the SID just gave him Leach's personal cell number. I, yeah. I, I mean, who, Trav? Who in the world does that? And and two, that that comes out of this. And and look, uh, we all at different ages have had 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 health issues, and I hope if there's one good thing that comes out of this is uh, Trav. Uh, I don't know if they can mandate this or not, but these head coaches, we all know they get the money, but there's also the pressure. There's uh, little sleep. They don't eat right. They probably don't work out much. Uh, that could could we learn something from Leach in that we need to do a better job of taking care of ourselves? I know Leach walked a lot. No, he had pneumonia during the season, and they asked him to step away for a while. But could could all of us learn from Mike Leach's death that we've got to do a better job, uh, particularly uh, in this uh, pressure cooker for coaches of taking better care of themselves? You would like that to be the case because head coaches, especially at that level, typically they listen to one person. Yeah. themselves right now there are situations that i can think of like nick saban i we we talk about him at his advanced age now and 
you know, the concerns you have with him, but you know, he has a wife that I know in Terry yes. Saban yes. that if he has any type of issue, it's not going to be Nick's decision whether or not to get checked mm-hmm. out or mm-hmm. he's got an advocate. And that's not to say Mike didn't have the same thing. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know his personal. I didn't know his personal situation. I know Nick Saban's pretty well. So absolutely. I, I would think in some of these, um, you know, state related jobs because that's really what a head football yes. coach is at a state university. There is probably an annual physical or something that's required. I would think in most yes. instances, but as far as being able to convince these guys that have an issue like Leach apparently had throughout the season to really not only go get that specific symptom or that issue treated, but also maybe go beyond to see if there's something underlying here that is also in play, whether it's cardiac or uh, those type of things. And again, especially once you get into your fifties and beyond because Randy Walker, right? Years ago at Northwestern, 52 years old, heart attack, skip Prosser, the former college basketball coach, 56 years old at the time at wake forest dies on his couch in his office after going on a jog at lunchtime. So you can also talk about being active, uh, working out, uh, doing things to to maintain a a semblance of at least a decent health. Uh, But there's so many things that are in play, too, from DNA to family history to uh, diet to. And as you said, just the stress and grind that is unlike any other. Uh, in season for these guys. And now with transfer portal, with recruiting, (laughs) it doesn't stop. And and it makes me wonder too, if a guy really has a choice between college football and the NFL, where would you be coaching these days? I'd be in the NFL. If it were me, if I had a choice based on the, the schedule and the year round responsibilities that now are especially in play with college athletics, I'd be at the pro level. It wouldn't be much of a choice for me. Well, and you think, Trav, with all these analysts, and for instance, uh, Billy Napier at Florida hired 40 guys, Trav, 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, of course, he learned that from Nick Saban, obviously. But uh, you would think that will be taking some of the pressure off of these guys. But I, I don't think that's necessarily true into your but point. I don't, I don't think they even view it as pressure, which makes it even more deadly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think guys like Nick Saban or Mike Leach or, I mean, but we saw it with urban Meyer. I mean, that was the prime example of a guy who's sort of gone through at least some degree of this and lived to tell the tell. Um, Burnout is real. Even if you are a national championship caliber coach, uh, it is real. So you think about guys that are kind of living on that win loss record, tightrope and you think about what it is and look again with Mike Leach, it may have been something that was, that had been looked into. Uh, maybe it was just something that could not have been prevented. Uh, I guess what we're saying here though, Brent, and, and we're both proactive in this now, especially at our ages, uh, it, it, it's really something that you, you got to monitor on more than just an annual basis. Well, and, and listen, to me, uh, and I'm going through this, um, is uh, these coaches just don't need an EKG, Trav. Nope. Uh, they, they need an echo 
or often a heart cath because you really don't know how extensive some of these uh, situations are until you do. So, look, just going in there, uh, talking their doctor into uh, – uh, maybe an antibiotic or a little bit of prescription for this and that, mm-hmm. and then I'm then I'm back to work. Uh, the, the reality is, Trev, that doesn't cut it anymore, does it? No, I had a heart attack on my 52nd birthday a couple of years ago, and had an EKG performed. Everything looked great. Had some other tests done. Everything was fine. But I went to the hospital anyway. This yeah. was at sort of a emergency care situation initially but thankfully the on duty doctor at that place said look based on what you're telling me i can't not tell you to go to the hospital and get further testing done which i'm thankfully did i went down there this was in chicago of all places i went to northwestern speaking of northwestern northwestern university hospital in downtown chicago and they did blood work and there is a protein that can be detected at elevated levels that also speaks to a cardiac event. And that's where mine showed up. So wasn't an EKG. It wasn't some of the other testing that you would typically get. It required blood work to, to indicate. And then from there I had the hard cath and a stent put in a day later, I'm out of the hospital. I'm, I'm good to go. So go the extra mile. If it comes down to Absolutely. it, trust me. Uh, it, it could save your life. But again, we're just very shocked and uh, just a surreal situation for certainly Mike's family and the Mississippi State community and sort of this plan going forward now for Mississippi State, which will play in the ReliaQuest Bowl against Illinois down in Tampa as scheduled on January the 2nd. A guy that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast in defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, we're both big fans of Zach. Uh, suddenly now, he is pushed into the position of not only interim head coach, he's been elevated to permanent head coach. Just uh, amazing at, at how all this has transpired for, uh, obviously, first and foremost, Leach, uh, Leach's family, but uh, the football program, too. Well, and what complicates this, and folks may forget this, Mississippi State does not have an AD right now. Yeah. Cohen, their AD, went to Auburn. So that, I think this is a double win for them, frankly. Number one, uh, you've got to cover and have someone in charge. Number two is with Arnett being the uh, uh, one of the better D coordinators in the league and doesn't get enough credit for it. They're able to keep him around. Now, now, Trav, here, here's my question on this. Is uh, Now, they're used to the air raid. They're used to recruiting to the air raid. Uh, now, do they eventually uh, bring in a offensive coordinator from that leech tree? Or if this doesn't work out, do they go for a leech uh, protege? Uh, that learned underneath him. I, I think there are a lot of questions here. That fortunately, Zach will get a chance to see what he can do. But I'm just curious, Trav, do you think in the interim, uh, with, with particularly for next year, with, with running what they've done and recruiting toward it, do they need to necessarily get an, an OC uh, with air raid experience? Yeah, that's going to be the, the interesting decision for Zach Arnett in all this. What's his personal preference? And I think being a defensive coordinator, especially in the Southeastern Conference for the last three seasons, 
has got to help him because he knows what has caused him the most problems as a defensive coordinator. And so uh, do they stick more with the air raid? You've got a two-year starter at quarterback that is certainly acclimated with that offense and Will Rogers, right? You've recruited, as you said, personnel specific to that scheme. Um, Do you wholeheartedly start to move away to another type of system? Maybe there's a system similar to what Josh Heupel employees that you want to gravitate towards with more tempo, things like that, because state under leech wasn't a big tempo offense at all. I got to think that there will be uh, a happy medium involved. Something that uh, in in some ways is similar principally to what state has done, you know, three, four wide receiver sets maybe, uh, but then some, some elements that, implement some change and a move a little bit more towards tempo and uh, things like that, because that's, that's something it seems everybody can't quite get enough of in today's college football. Uh, Also on a uh, side note here um, with the uh, bowl game, uh, there are some guys who uh, won't be playing safety. Jackie Matthews uh, has declared for the NFL, but he plans on, uh, playing in the bowl game, and and one of our favorites, Trav Emmanuel Forbes, uh, won't be playing after declaring for the draft. Trav, I'm just guessing Emmanuel Forbes' name won't be on a draft board very long on selection night, will it? It shouldn't be. Uh, really good player uh, during his three years in Starkville. So I think there'll be some questions about his size. You know, he's sort of silly. I guess mm-hmm. you could call it in terms mm-hmm. of his build, but the guy can flat out cover and he is wired in a way that's going to serve him well in the national football league where you got to be able to put the L's behind you yes. on a pretty yes. consistent basis. And uh, you're not allowed to be as handsy or as physical at the next level as you are in the college game. So it is Mike Leach tragically passes at the age of 61, as we said, State will play in its bowl game against Brett Bielema and Illinois on January the 2nd in Tampa, and we'll continue, obviously, to monitor that situation as it gets closer. So let's talk about the one game involving an SEC team coming up this weekend. Man, the bowl season is already here, Brent. And the Florida Gators, you talk about a nice landing spot for a six and six team. You know, it used to be Shreveport, Bossier City, if you were six and six. <laughs> yes. In the yes. SEC. It was Sam's Town or those type of casinos over in Shreveport. Now you go to Vegas if you're six and six in the SEC. That might speak to the elevation of the league over the last decade or so as much as anything else, Brent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What a destination order to go. Now, obviously, they won't have a lot of guys they had during the year, good or bad. Anthony Richardson will not be playing in the game. Jack Miller will be your quarterback. And Osiris Torrance, an offensive lineman, who I don't think got the credit he deserved during the year. Ventrell Miller, uh, linebacker, Gervin Dexter, defensive line, Justin Shorter. So so they're missing. Missing a lot of players in this game uh, against Travis and Oregon State team that really is that they're big, they're physical, they're tough. That's going to be a very difficult opponent for Florida that they like to uh, 
to run the ball. The uh, Oregon State lost two of its three games when they allowed 160 yards or more. Uh, so we'd be curious to see how much Florida is able to uh, run the ball. But I think maybe, uh, and, and Trav, is it an advantage for Florida in this game? We go, if we, if we get seven wins, that'd be great. If we don't, uh, we're, we've got the bowl game prepping all that out of the way so we can concentrate on restocking this roster through recruiting and the transfer situation. Yeah, I think that's – you almost look at this as a jump on spring practice if you're Florida. If you win the game, great. Um, if you don't, it, it gives you an evaluation period with the practices uh, and the game itself to get a better understanding of your needs either – whether that's through uh, what's looking to be a top 10 recruiting class yes. for Billy Napier and maybe the transfer portal, you're, you're looking at that to make some important additions. And then for Oregon state, it's, it's about right now because this is an Oregon state team in the top 15 in the country and trying to get a 10th win on the season. I really like Jonathan Smith, the coach there at Oregon state. I've been to Corvallis, Oregon. I can tell you it's a nice place. Enjoyed it. Beautiful in a lot of ways. But when you think about trying to recruit to Oregon State uh, and you think about what you're recruiting to, say, at the University of Florida, couldn't be more different than those two programs. But give Jonathan Smith a lot of credit. Went through a quarterback change this season, too. Ben Gulbranson has stepped in there, um, had an injury at quarterback with Chance Nolan, uh, earlier in the season for the Beavers. And then uh, Gulverson's been so good that uh, Nolan, I see here, has since decided to enter the transfer portal. Yeah. So looks like Oregon State has its quarterback of the future in a freshman and Ben Gulverson. And I don't like Florida in this game, I guess is what I'm I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I think I understand Oregon that. State is, is still is more together, uh, as I said earlier, has the here and now to play for. Whereas with Florida, it's more of a patchwork situation, starting with the quarterback situation uh, and then going from there. Uh, and also Damian Martinez, I've got an all-freshman tailback, needs uh, the 30 yards to reach 1,000. And, and, but, but, Trev, the big question for this game is, is Pop's confidence in his Gators, uh, is that at a low ebb right now as he – as he ponders changing his behavior from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Is yeah, that right? I'll, I'll probably have to remind him there's a game this week. Oh, you know, oh no. The Gators. I'll probably have to remind him. He's done. He's moved on. Yeah, I the, bet he uh, has. 2022. <laughs> Pops is fired up about his Jaguars right now. You know, they got that yeah. win over the Tennessee yeah. Titans last That's weekend. Right. He's more in on the Jags right now than he is probably <laughs> the Gators. But uh, I'll have to check with him on that. So, yeah, Florida – Looking to finish with a winning record in year one under Billy Napier, as we've talked about before here on the podcast, Brent, um, there was a sense before the season that, you know, six and six, seven and six, even six and seven, get to a bowl game, uh, have a great recruiting class, uh, get some momentum moving into 2023 and uh, Gator fans would be fine with Billy Napier. And so we'll see if that holds up if, Oregon State does a number on UF out in Vegas this weekend. Hey, uh, and by the way, Brent, that's a 2.30 Eastern it kickoff is. Saturday on ESPN. I love it. Yes. It's right there uh, in a good time slot on a on a Saturday afternoon. You got NFL Saturday night coming up this week 
as well. So, Brent, what about some other departures around the SEC? I know Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee here in the last day or so has announced that he will not play in the Orange Bowl. I think he's going to make the trip, accompany the team, but not play in the game. So uh, you start thinking about some of these teams like Tennessee with the injury to Hendon Hooker, now Jalen Hyatt. Um, steps aside here to go to the NFL. Uh, any other news and notes from that perspective that stood out to you here in the last week? Well, I think a couple of things. Not only do we find out that Will Levis won't be playing in the Music City Bowl, but I think what's above and beyond that, uh, in my fact, Chris Rodriguez did the same, but people may have missed his travel. Liam Cohen is returning to Kentucky as the offensive coordinator, he was in the NFL, went to Kentucky, back to the NFL. Now he's back with Kentucky. So uh, I, I think they're they're quite excited about what where that's going uh, along the line. And we've still got teams like uh, the one you cover in Alabama uh, that we think we know what might happen, but we but officially yet do not know what. Uh, Will Anderson at, at linebacker and Bryce Young at quarterback are going to do for the bowl game either. Yeah, Alabama goes to practice for the Sugar Bowl starting Friday, tomorrow. And so uh, Nick Saban is expected to address the media following that workout, and there should be plenty to cover oh, my. in regards. Yeah. If we don't know before then with the likes of Bryce Young, and not just Bryce Young and Will Anderson, but what about Jameer Gibbs? Yeah. Um, there's some guys uh, – other than Anderson on the defensive side of the ball that, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see just from an NFL perspective to begin with. But then as an extension of that availability for a matchup, as we've said, kind of similar to Oregon state, Oregon mm-hmm. state, isn't a team that's going to have a lot of opt outs. Right. And they're already oh. a really good football team. Nine and three K state nine and three big 12 champions, 10 and three, I guess now. And you're talking about a K-State team that's not going to have a lot of opt-outs. So uh, some interesting decisions from the Alabama side of things that will heavily play into the perception of that matchup for New Year's Eve. That's an early kickoff down in New Orleans, by the way, 11 a.m. Central local time there for Alabama and K-State. Well, Brent, we have a Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams of Southern California, this despite some of his antics where his fingernails were concerned in a couple of yeah, games this yes. year. But look, just talking about on the field and what he was able to do, and especially with the heights that SC was able to achieve in year one under Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams at the quarterback position, I guess at the end of the day, not a huge surprise to see an SC quarterback back in the winner's circle for the Heisman Trophy, but tell us how Brent Beard saw it in casting that ballot for the 2022 award. It was the uh, closest vote, Trav, that we had had in four years, Uh, so that was, uh, I I wasn't surprised about that. My my vote went with uh, Max Dugan's. Uh, of uh, TCU, and then Bryce Young was number two, and uh, Stetson Bennett for me was number three. Uh, I, I still thought Hendon Hooker of Tennessee and Bryce Young of Alabama should have made the trip. I know they've got limited television time and limited amount of people that they can take, but I thought both those guys deserved, uh, uh, frankly, to go. Now, there were, uh, to your point about 
uh, Caleb Williams' antics with his fingernails, there were some Heisman voters that had trouble with that because I talked to some of them and they expressed that uh, because of uh, uh, if we put in a morals clause or conduct clause, it's kind of in the uh, in the Heisman. I still believe, and, and I hope we can get back to the time. And I know you remember this, where the week leading up to the uh, uh, to the ceremony that we were able to discuss who we voted for and have a you know have a nice refreshing debate during the week on radio about that. That's no longer the case. We can't say anything about it. I mean, that's the rules of the Heisman Trust with what they do. But I still think for the award uh, and also probably for the presentation, uh, look, I'm not saying you you throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, Trev, there are just some things I think we need to do to tweak it, uh, to to bring some more interest into it, uh, then kind of what's going on, and just to take a look at that maybe from the – the TV perspective and also drawing attention to the award. And I hope some of that's considered uh, over the next few years. Yeah. Uh, a lot to uh, consider there as we move forward in a social media and multimedia and 24 seven news cycle that uh, doesn't seem to have enough time in the day now uh, no. with that cycle. Uh, even with the 24-7 deal. So, Brent, uh, anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? I, th- I think just to hit on a, uh, a few things that people have not heard, UCLA has been approved to make the move to the uh, Big Ten. Uh, so that will be going 11-5 to 5 vote by the, uh, by the uh, California Regents uh, in getting that done. So I- I'll just kind of throw that out there. Closer to home here, still a little bit of thought that uh, Texas and Oklahoma may come to the league a little bit earlier than 2025, uh, but that's still kind of uh, uh, up in the air. As as, uh, Travis said, the transfer portal uh, still goes along. Um, uh, Kirby Smart has been asked about some of his uh, injured players uh, he said he's still got about uh, almost three weeks to get these guys going again. Uh, A.D. Mitchell is back. So that's something that is, uh, I think, important for them because he stretches the field. And I know Auburn is not in a bowl game, but, Trev, they got some attention, did they not, with the hiring of Philip Montgomery as the O.C., and also Ron Roberts is the defensive coordinator, a guy that Arkansas had a lot of uh, interest in. So uh, Auburn not in a bowl game, and they do lose, uh, obviously, some guys like Tank Bigsby going to the NFL. They do have Grayson McCall coming in this weekend, the coast of Carolina. Quarterbacks, or even, though, even if the Tigers aren't, aren't in a bowl, they're in the news. They are. And uh, you're right, from a roster perspective, going to be very interesting to see how things begin to take shape for Hugh Freeze as he moves into year one of his tenure there on the Plains. Well, always great stuff from Brent Beard. Always a lot of fun catching up with my great friend Brent Beard right here on Second Helping. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we certainly hope you will do so. Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find Second Helping right here on the 
Uh, Pigskin Podcast Network, that's our primary platform for Second Helping, but wherever you consume podcasts, you are going to be able to get the show. And if you leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Brent, look forward to doing it again next week. Me too, as we well, we will be in Christmas week, which boggles the mind. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, oh, and oh, by the way, Trav, uh, what, what is the uh, what is the present slash gift monitor on one pops again as he as he considers that Christmas gift for Nana and others? Yeah, Nana unfortunately is such a giver, and she's rewarded in the form of things like Skittles and stuff like that. So <laughs> no. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, he was better at Thanksgiving, so we're anticipating an absolute hurricane of a pops <laughs> uh, maybe for christmas so yes. we'll see how that works coming up soon enough for brent beer travis ryer thanking you once again for joining us right here on second helping the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics the southeastern conference until next time so long everybody <laughs>